0: Got a Bible, turn to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. <coughs> I'm going to read from verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Nor that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards a goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only, let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their mind, on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there the lord jesus christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body amen may god bless not just (coughs) the reading but our understanding of his word as we turn to it just in a little while. This is is a time of year when many of us take a look back over the year that is just about to disappear, reflecting on all that has happened and where we are at and for some of us setting new goals, making resolutions, well, in some ways that's what Paul is doing here in the verse earlier. The first part of chapter three, verses one to eleven, he has been reflecting in, in how all his confidence in the flesh regarding his spiritual condition counts for nothing. And anything <coughs> that he once counted profit he now sees as loss. And his only desire is to know Christ. This is the Apostle Paul that's speaking. His only desire is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And so many of us just kind of leave that bit at that. But notice what he goes on to say, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. That, brothers and sisters, is a high, lofty, and costly desire and prayer. But one that is well worth having. And as he begins verse 12, Paul tells us that he has not obtained all this, that is referring back to the previous verses. Now, as I said, remember, this is the Apostle Paul who has planted churches all over the place, who has faced persecution, who has written much of the New Testament, who has written letters that we still read and indeed we still study today as we're doing this morning, who by this time is now old and is in prison, yet recognizes That even there, and even at that age, there is still more to be achieved and that he is not the finished article. And I think, brothers and sisters, that is a good and timely reminder to us all. Both as individuals and as a church, no matter how well we feel we may have or have not done and been, there's always room for improvement. As Christians, as a church, we should always be moving forward, onwards, upwards. I want to share with you four things from the reading this morning. We see from verses 12 and 14, Paul speaking, speaks of pressing. In 13, he speaks of forgetting. In verses 15 and 17 of living. And in verses 20 to 21 of waiting. So firstly, Pressing. Here Paul is using a favorite metaphor of his as he likens the Christian life to a race. Not a short sprint, but it's a marathon. And here in verse 12 and verse 14, he uses words that speak of effort. Look closely at what he says. Verse 12, I press on. Verse 14, straining towards. Not for Paul was there a thought of an easy life. Not for Paul was there the thought of sitting back and basking in former glories. And boy, the he have former glories that he could bask on. No, even though in prison he is still making every effort, he is still straining every sinew in the work of the gospel. As I said, he is using here the imagery of a race and and not that I know much about it but it takes hard work and dedication and commitment to be an athlete and Paul speaks of pressing on when you feel like throwing in the towel Paul presses on when the road's long and is hard he fixes eyes on what is ahead Paul has a clear goal in mind. Indeed, it seems to me that the main thrust of what Paul is saying in in these verses is summed up in in five little words we find halfway through verse 13. But one thing I do. Many things sidetrack us, don't they? One thing I do. You see, the athlete, I'm told, has got to be single-minded. Has to have a clear focus. The writer to the Hebrews makes that point when, when we read in chapter 12, verse 1, to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles and to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. As we draw close to the end of another year, how well have you been running? Have you dropped off? Have you lost sight of what lies ahead? What is the one thing That you do. What really floats your boat? What really gets you excited? What is your prime aim? Who is your focus? For Paul, it was Jesus and the work that he had called him to do. And like an athlete, he will press on towards that finishing line. What is it that kept him going? Well, he gives two reasons, I think. Firstly, uh, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And secondly, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I guess we need to understand what Paul meant by these two things and why they enabled him to keep going. Well, it seems to me That the first, if you like, is the purpose, and the second, the prize. You see, Christ took hold of Paul on the Damascus Road. That was his conversion experience. That is, if you like, to keep the race metaphor going, where he entered the race. He'd never been in the race before. And we read that. In Acts 9, and you can read it again in chapters 22 and chapter 26. And I believe the reason that God took hold of him is found in Acts chapter 9 verse 15 and also Acts chapter 20 verses 23 and 24. In Acts chapter 9, after Saul's conversion, we read that the Lord appeared to Ananias and told him to go to Saul because, because why? Because this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Christ took hold of Paul in order that Paul might be a witness of Christ unto others. And if you're a believer in Christ, that is why Christ has taken hold of you and of me and of us. We are to be his witnesses. We are to tell others of Jesus, the mighty to save. That is to be our one thing. We are saved to serve. We are saved in order that others might hear and by God's grace respond. That is why Christ took hold of Paul. That is why he has taken hold of me and of you and of us and brought us together at such a time. As this, how much of a priority in my life, in your life, in our life together is telling others of Jesus? And I'm not talking about in some kind of manufactured or cringe worthy or Bible thumping and Bible bashing way, but just sharing Jesus, of just being his witness wherever he's placed us. However, we can do it. Simply by saying, by the way, we're having a Christianity Explore course. Do you want to come? Do you know the worst they can say? Nah, I'm too busy. Do you know the best that could happen? They could come and by the power of the Holy Spirit be convicted of their sin and brought brought out to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul, that was a purpose that he might tell people of Jesus. Then look what he says about verse 14. He uses the same words again. I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Well, actually, surprise, surprise. Paul doesn't tell us what the prize is. At least not here. Certainly in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 7, where again he uses... The imagery of a race, he speaks there of a prize being a crown of life. Other passages of Scripture give some indication as to what lies ahead for those who finish the race. But, brothers and sisters, surely, surely the ultimate prize is Jesus Himself. To see Him, to be with Him, to to be as we were thinking last Sunday evening, light. Like Surely that is the best prize of all. Surely that is something that is worth pressing on for. Press on. An old World War song says, Keep right on to the end of the road. The nineteen sixty-eight Olympics <coughs> excuse me, nineteen sixty-eight Olympics were held in Mexico City. And there was a runner there from, from Tanzania. And his name was called John Stephen Aqua. And he entered the marathon and he ran the marathon. And he entered the stadium more than an hour after the last entrant had finished. And he was in quite a state. He was bruised and bloodied and a real mess. Yet later on, in a comment to the media, he said this, My country didn't send me to Mexico City to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. Brother, sister in Christ, you have been called not just to start the race, but to run the race. And by the strength and power that God through the Spirit gives us to finish the race also. And what was probably among Paul's final words, his final words, he wrote to Timothy and said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Then he says this, and not only to me, But also to all who have longed for his appearing. Press on. Press on. Secondly, we see that Paul speaks about forgetting. In order to run a race, and to run the race well, the athlete needs to, as Paul says, keep looking towards what lies ahead. That is, keep looking towards the finishing line. To look back even for a momentary glance, can prove fatal for the runner. I don't know if any of you remember, back in 1954, uh, the the British Empire and Commonwealth Games, there was an Australian runner called John Landy. And John was leading in the one-mile race. And he was leading right up to the final turn of the last lap. And he looked back, and as he looked back, a certain Roger Bannister passed by him on the right-hand side and won the race. Even a momentary glance has consequences. And as we prepare to move into a new year, let me ask you, are there things that you need to forget? Are there things that you need to once and for all put behind you? Is there something in the past that's present? Pre, sorry, pre- preventing you from running well. Paul says, "Forgetting what is past, it's done, it's gone, it's happened. Past put behind us." For the future, take us. None of us are perfect. That's the point that Paul is making in these verses. We all make mistakes. We all say and we all do stupid things. We can all feel offended and we can all offend. But brothers and sisters, let us forget. Let us stop looking back. Let us not be casting up. It does no good. It hinders us in the race of pressing forward <laughs> past put behind us press on for in all that Christ has got in store for us in this coming year. Are there things I regret this past year? Yes, countless. Have I offended or failed you in some way? Probably, though I assure you, not deliberately. We can't change the past, but we can do something about the present. Put it behind you. Forget it. Leave it with God. Winston Churchill once commented, uh, said this, that if the present is quarreling with your past, there can be no future. If the present is quarreling with your past, there can be no future. We can learn from it, yes. And as we'll be thinking about tonight, it's good to reflect. But we must never hanker after it, and we must never linger in it. Keep your eyes forward. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Sometimes the danger for Christians is that we can be too busy looking at other believers and relating their race, their race to ours. That was Peter's problem. Remember on the beach with Jesus after the resurrection, Jesus had a little word with them. and They were walking and Peter said to Jesus, and what about him talking about John? And Jesus basically said, mind your own business. We've got our own race to run. We've got our own part to play, each one of us. As I said, one of the phrases that struck me through all the readings that I did on my sabbatical was this. For us to be us, you need to be you. So let us press on. Let us forget. Then and thirdly, Paul speaks about living. He begins by speaking of maturity. And says that taking the view that's just outlined is the thing to do. It is, after all, the word of God that has come from apostle. It is also sound common sense to press on. You need to leave (laughs) things behind. And then for those who don't seem to agree with Paul, he says he seems to me to leave the issue with God. It's a good thing to do. He is saying if you think differently, then God will make it clear to you. There are some people who just never seem to get it. And Paul here appears almost to agree to disagree while having the confidence that God will ultimately sort it out. God will deal with it. He then calls on them to live to what has already been attained. And in what might seem rather kind of presumptuous, he tells them to follow his example. But we know from 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 that Paul speaks of this only in as much as Paul follows Christ. He says the same in Thessalonians 1. And while it is Jesus, as Hebrews tells us, that we are to fix our eyes on, we do take note of godly people. Can you not think just now of at least one godly person that has made an impression in your life? I can think of loads. And often they they didn't even know it. People who, as Paul says, lived according to the pattern we gave, that is the revealed word of God. And what he does then is he goes on to compare and contrast the two ways of living. The godly way as already outlined. And then in verses 18 and 19, the way of the ungodly. Notice what he says. These verses have really troubled me and challenged me this week. He speaks of their destiny as destruction. He says their God is their stomach. That is, they are never satisfied. They're always needing more. Their glory is their shame. Well, I'm not advocating it right, but reality TV shows that only too well. Where some people will do anything for a moment's fame. Not that I watch them, but I feel I need to be culturally aware and know what's going on. And their mind is on earthly things. They live for this world alone. Boy, does that not sum up much of today's society? Do you know, though, what really... Struck me about this and what Paul says here. I'm not seeking to be emotional here or anything, but but really struck me. Paul says this it moved him to tears. Paul wept for those who were enemies of the cross. For those who were going to a lost eternity. He wept for those who lived for today. He wept for those who could never find satisfaction. He wept. Just as Jesus wept over Jerusalem. I can remember growing up in my home church in Glasgow. A godly old man called Bobby. Who would literally weep for the lost. Are we? I'm not trying to be emotional. I'm not trying to use the pulpit as a battering ram or anything. God has laid it on my heart this week and study: The two ways of living. The godly way and the ungodly. And those on that ungodly way are going to a lost eternity. Pressing, forgetting, living, sorry, I need to push on. Finally, waiting. He then contrasts that ungodly living with how we as God's people should live. And he begins by reminding them that this is not our home. Oh, I'm so glad of that. Not that have anything against the house that I live in or the Elgin or anything like that. Lovely as it is. Oh, there's far more in store. Far more in store. He begins by reminding them that their citizenship is in heaven. And that would have meant so much to the believers in Philippi because I'm sure as many of you know, it was a Roman colony. And although it was far away from Rome, its citizens had all the privileges that being a Roman citizen brought and living in a Roman colony brought Brothers and sisters, we have all the privileges that being a citizen of heaven brings. Peace and joy and love and forgiveness and life eternal. A crown of righteousness and one day of being with Jesus. They're all ours. And notice how we are to live. We are to eagerly await a saviour from there. Not any Savior, but the Savior, the only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And see what He finishes with. For on that day, when Christ returns, He will transform this lowly body so that it will be like His glorious body. We'll be changed. We'll be transformed. As we saw last week, we'll be like Jesus, not a clone, but having a glorious new body. You're not looking forward to that. The story is told of of the old country Yoko and his son who went into the big city for the first time ever. And they went into a department store. And they saw an elevator, never seen an elevator before in his life. And the old man watched as the doors opened. And, and this old elderly lady wrinkled and disheveled. And he just kind of stood as the door shut and up it went. And, and a few moments later, th- th- it came back down and, 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 and the doors opened. And, and out walked this gorgeous young woman. And he turned to his son. And he said, stay here, boy. I'm going home to get your mum and run her through that thing. <laughs> Transforming power. The gospel. Friends, people without Christ are dying in their sin and are lost. And are going to a lost eternity. They're going to hell. I know it's not a popular message today. But it's what the Bible teaches. And you and I, we have this amazing message that has got the power to change and to Transform. And what better time at the close of another year to take time and and to reflect and to ask yourselves, where do I stand? Where do I stand first and foremost in my relationship to God? Am I one of His? Some of you have sat in church for years. Some of you have known the gospel from that height. Where do you stand this morning in relationship to God? Are you saved? Are you in Christ? Have you been changed? Have you been transformed? If not, why not? Today, if you hear his voice, not the voice of a speaker, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. And if you're a saved person, then I want to encourage you, brother or sister, press on. Forget the past. Live now for Christ. And wait eagerly for that day when he returns (coughs) and transforms you and you will be with him forever. Let's pray.